Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. We can put all ills at Facebook's door, but actually where it's really been the problem is it was the first one out of the gates and it was the first one to do a lot of these things. So it was the first one to have all these data breaches. And because it had this first mover advantage, it's just got so much data out there. So there's a duty of care on Facebook nearly above anything else. I think what it comes down to the fact that we don't know a lot of these dark posts that are happening. Facebook will never show us what's being given to people in a lot of cases because they say they don't need to. But it comes down to that word ethics. And I think ethics is a line that's been crossed many times because Facebook, like many of these companies, when your number one goal is profit maximization, it's very difficult to toe that line, especially when nobody's really checking on you. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. Now, Facebook is 20 years old, but has it been a good or bad influence in the world? Is it still even relevant or just somewhere you go to find out what your parents are ranting about? And and in a world of TikToks and Instagrams, will it survive? Well, Peter Cosgrove, Managing Director of FutureWise, joins me on the podcast. Peter, do you still use Facebook and do you like it? I have a Facebook account, uh, but I don't uh, use it very often, and I don't have it on any devices for my own computer, which I do for a lot of apps. It just means it, it regulates how little I will probably go on. But honestly, I have very few people I would check up on there. So the general answer is no, but obviously every now and then I, I sneak a look in there. Can I ask a rude question? Mm-hmm. How old are you, roughly? Uh, I'm 52. Okay, that's close enough to the same age as myself. And you don't ever need to find out what your aunt or your, you know, elderly cousin is doing or anything? What's interesting is maybe, and I was never a big user of it in the first place, so I don't have, like, all the friends I have aren't all on it, or if they are, I've never connected to them. But actually, WhatsApp has really taken over completely in that space. Okay, um, yeah. from, from a news point of view, I totally agree that Facebook is much better at creeping up and finding out things about people, because WhatsApp's more about general news. But uh, but no, I, so I, I probably don't. I know we talk about Facebook as you know misinformation and ranting and we we are going to get into that whatsapp though isn't whatsapp even worse it is worse uh, uh but in one sense but it's it's for me it's all about how you use it mm. uh so uh, muting groups um i don't have notifications in whatsapp so that's the biggest one 
So mm. I my my WhatsApp notification or like little kind of note is if it's urgent, please text me. So I don't use it as my text service. So people will get frustrated if they can't hear me, but then they'll say, Oh, I'll text them and I'll come back straight away. Because I know that if I go in for my text for one person, then I'm looking at all these other things as well. So I think the challenge is, and we it's gone out of control in that regard, because uh you get on a group and people now feel guilty about leaving a group, so they just stay in it forever. Yeah. And do you know the thing about WhatsApp is you mentioned notifications and it's just the worst thing in the world. At least with Facebook, you can dip in and out and ignore it for a week. You're getting notifications from WhatsApp. But that's an, actually a different podcast. We're, we're talking about Facebook. And I posed the question at the beginning whether it was a good or a bad thing on society. Now, there, I think opinion is split, probably more negatively than positively. But there's so many people who still use Facebook that many people are a little hypocritical when they say this had a negative influence because they use it themselves. But it's had a checkered history, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, my one of my biggest concerns with it is the amount of times it's gone into trouble back in 2013. A hacker kind of showed how 6 million accounts had been uh, being used and information taken. But the worst thing was, it wasn't even just from those accounts. It was anyone who was connected to those accounts. That was 2013. Then I was looking, 2014, they did a mood manipulation experiment for about half a million people to see if they could work out emotion without telling anyone. 2018, obviously, a lot of came out in courts and they highlighted that they've been giving stuff away to like 150 third parties. So for me, that's only stuff we found out because either people have given whistleblowing testimony or we found it out through a hacker. So what terrifies me is how much stuff are they doing that we have no idea about? So that worried. It's a real self, like there's a lack of regulation in this whole space, but Facebook really kicked it all off. Just to play devil's advocate, sometimes I think that the outrage or hysteria over Facebook particularly, I have to say, from many of my own colleagues in the media, has been really overblown. I I lived through the Cambridge Analytica um, episode, for example, and for users who don't, or listeners who don't remember that, that was essentially um, about a, a, a polling group who found a way to, let's use the word manipulate, leverage if you're using more politely, user data that they found on Facebook essentially to try and change people's minds in the 2016 uh, general election which in the states which which elected Trump and yet a lot of subsequent investigations that kind of showed that it was really just sort of garden variety marketing really when you actually got down to it and <clears throat> I do wonder whether a lot of the criticism that Facebook gets is really kind of criticism of the internet, criticism of ourselves, of the way that we've we, we reacted online. Is is that too dismissive a, a tone to take to it? No, no. Look, I, I'm I'm because I, I actually was going to uh, highlight that that you know we can put all ills at Facebook's door, but actually where it's really been the problem is it was the first one out of the gates and it was the first one to do a lot of these things so it was the first one to have all these data breaches and because it had this first mover advantage it's just got so much data out there so there's a duty of care on Facebook nearly above anything else because if it gives out our information we'll never get it back again and that's the first thing and to be fair and this is not something you'll hear me say that often but to be fair to Facebook I think a lot of the outrage from the Democrats during the 2016, during that whole Cambridge Analytica episode, was because they had so much data already 
along the lines of which you've described, Obama was way ahead of the curve in terms of gathering that kind of data in his campaign and the Republicans weren't. So there was almost like a, a drawing up the uh, pulling up the ladders uh, thing going on there as well, but they didn't want the Republicans to have that that data. Yeah, I, I, but I think it comes down to, and I do, do agree with that, I think what it comes down to the fact that we don't know a lot of these dark posts that are happening. Facebook will never show us what's being given to people in a lot of cases because they say they don't need to. Um, but it comes down to that word ethics. And I think ethics is a a line that's been crossed many times because Facebook, like many of these companies, when your number one goal is profit maximization, it's very difficult to toe that line, especially when nobody's really checking on you. Yeah. Um, do you believe that it can be addictive? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it absolutely pioneered this. I mean, firstly, you know, from years ago, when you got a notification saying you've been tagged in a photo, I always think about that and you go, you know, it, that's essentially saying, hey, someone's taken a picture of you and showed it to everyone you know, and lots of people you don't know, would you like to see it? I mean, that is really difficult for people not to look at. And then put yourself in the uh, kind of shoes of a 15-year-old teenager. You're going to look at that. So this instant gratification, this likes, you know, how many people look at that was the first thing. But the thing they also did, which again, is clever, but it also is worrying is they essentially said, Let, we're not a PC anymore, we're a mobile phone company, so we'll put it in everybody's pockets. Is part of that, no, and again, I'm going to take a devil's advocate approach here, is that not exciting? If you're 15 and your world is about trying to explore and explore social boundaries within a somewhat regulated uh, and, you know, a structure and with some guardrails uh, attached, is it not exciting if you are interacting with people in that way? And I have to be very careful how I put that. No, hugely exciting. But I, I just don't think there are guardrails. I don't even think they even essentially exist. Anyone that says they're guardrails, they're ones that people would be able to get around in a millisecond, especially a 15-year-old. And I think that addictive nature, um, the infinite scroll button, um, you know, which essentially was taken straight mm. from the slot machine industry that just keeps us going back and back again. Oh, look, we're, um, again, we're all, all guilty of that. All these other social yeah. media sites have copied that. Yeah, well, we're all guilty. We're all guilty. But just to come back to the word addictive, and maybe um, maybe we should use compulsive maybe as another word, because addictive, you think of addiction and you think of drugs, you think of alcohol, you think of gambling, okay? Are we really putting Facebook in that category? Well, it's a low-level addiction, but the challenge is most other addictions, which are much higher-level addictions, what people do is they put the cigarettes away, they don't go near an off-license, so they're not going to drink, and they don't have anything in their house. The challenge with this is it's impossible to get away from unless you kind of don't want to have a mobile phone. So they kind of understand that it is a lower level, and therefore you've no immediate signs of um, kind of bad behavior, you know, bad health, but there could be longer mental health challenges around that. So I think that's the challenge with it. But the, the worrying thing for me is actually addiction is broader to me, because if you think about, say, somebody who doesn't want to gamble anymore, um, and what they do is they say, oh, I won't read the sports pages, and I certainly won't walk by a paddy power anymore or any booking company, bookie, bookies. Um, now, with AI and the way they kind of put ads anywhere you know there's nothing to stop facebook making sure you get posted uh, bookmaker ads all the time um so it's following you around now you could argue that they shouldn't be doing that because it's because they know that you maybe you know have an issue with this but that's not in their nature their nature is to get the most profit and uh, all few they can so i think they actually push into all these other areas because they were the pioneers of how they can actually sell to us through behavioral selling and i think they do this in a way that maximizes profit but probably doesn't really think about how it's going to affect 
affect us in the short or long term. Are you not just describing advertising in general there and media in general? Yeah, but I think the difference is there's never been a platform where one, you're on it so much. The time people are on this is just stupid compared to everything else, right? Most people have 30 seconds. People will be on this an hour. But the other thing is it's um, the kind of uh, intermediation effect with your friends is different because now not only are you getting, we were always a little skeptical when we were sold something by somebody else, but now we're being sold things by our friends who are sharing it and passing it on half the time not knowing this is a good thing. And that could be not just selling product, that could be selling messaging and, you know, views and, you know, terrifying images. But we, whether we like it or not, we absolutely believe when our friends give us this stuff much more than when a company does. And that's the challenge. And we we don't see this, especially as a 15-year-old, we're not able to actually understand, hang on, maybe the person who's my friend who sent this knows nothing about this either. So we actually do trust it a little bit more. So is the basic point you're making, though, that people shouldn't be allowed to use the internet? No, 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 absolutely. So I, so your question was, is Facebook a good or a bad thing? It's a bad thing. But then I'd probably say the same thing if you ask me. It's, I say cigarettes are a good thing, but they're here and Facebook is here. Well, social media in general, then, if you look at, say, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, X. No, no, absolutely. And it's not going to go away. But I would be absolutely of the belief that down the line, um, some sort of regulation needs to come around around things like data. So, for instance, uh, whether that's like a co-op system where the, the data is in a central point and we get access to it, we know what they can see about us. Um, and I think they could still have access to that if we decided. Lots of people still want it, but I think that's the bit that we're missing. We are in a situation where th- this is moving so quickly that nobody's able to actually work out what the longer term or even the shorter term challenges are going to be for us. And I think that is a huge issue. Do we not have new law like the Digital Markets Act, the Digital Service Act? Are are these not laws now that actually really tighten up and place potentially huge fines on social media companies for allowing misinformation, disinformation, for allowing incendiary content? Are, are Are we not kind of addressing those issues? Well, I think I think we are a little, um, but I would think that if I was working with one of these companies, I would probably be five steps ahead of that all the time, and I would expect them to be. How do you? Um, know? Well, I remember working in investment banking years ago, and we were on the risk management team, and somebody said, "You know what? You're never going to stop us making all these rogue trades because we get paid so much more money to." break the rules than you ever do to check up on the rules. And the reality is the worst thing that will happen to us is we'll get fired. But if we get away with it, we make millions. It's not in your interest to work and comb over every piece of data. It's completely in our interest to hide it a lot better. And the fact is, once profit is at stake, it's not, it would be hugely surprising to me if people aren't already thinking about what are the next things they're going to look at, how are they going to actually put policies in place, and how do we get around these things? I mean, the only from proving that what has happened about five or ten times already by whistleblowers saying this has happened, they promised we do this, and then they didn't do this, and then they're kind of being hauled in front of the coals and saying, yeah, actually, we did make a mistake here. And actually, bizarrely, they almost never apologize. They just say, we'll do things better next time. So I think it's not very easy to do. So I'm not saying there's a simple solution here, but the question is, is it good for us? Is it good for society? No, um, but no, neither were cigarettes. But yeah, we do need to get our head around how we improve on social media in general, not just Facebook. What about the issue of uh, connection and loneliness? Is there perhaps an argument to be made that for certain people, through no fault of their own, through circumstance, I'm thinking, say, for older people, widows, widowers, people like that, who might have found themselves 
isolated in, say, a rural location, you, you still hear of stories every other month of someone who has who was found who had passed away months previously and they had no connections, they had no social life. And maybe they might argue, some of them uh, might argue that social media, and in particular Facebook as kind of the older person's uh, social media, gave them some sort of connection and outlet to other people. Yeah, I, I, it absolutely does. Um, and as I said, all of these, anything you could argue, most of these things in moderation are probably absolutely fine. And for people who use them in a way to connect, that's great. But I actually think it's very easy. And I know, you know, someone who easily can still get knocked down a rabbit hole myself <laughs> just on the wrong day shows that once you're on these sites, it's very quickly for you to be taken in directions you don't want to go. And we all like to think we've got total kind of autonomy over those things. But actually, you know, we aren't as smart as the people who do these things. So so I'm not so I do think it helps with that. But I think what connects much better to that is the fact that now we're all using you know, better Wi-Fi connections. We're all using Zoom and Teams and all these things, and we can actually connect with each other. I think I think the challenge is where it becomes the, you know, the kind of way of connecting as opposed to going out anymore. So people say, well, I'm connecting with everybody online, and therefore they're not going out. Um, and the second point, point, as you said before, and you mentioned is the challenge is if you're going in with groups of people there, you can you generally end up going in with people who've got always the same views as you, which isn't very healthy either. What kind of rabbit holes sometimes do you see coming your way? Oh, um, like uh, like it could be uh, a ridiculous one on sport. That's healthy enough, right? Yeah, but no, but I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I would sometimes still fall for the, you know, you wouldn't believe what they look like now, which I know is ridiculous. But before I know it, I've just said, oh, I'll just have a look. And it makes no sense at all. And I know what they're doing, but it just shows that even if you know what they're doing and you're just a bit tired, you just click on it because almost you're going, oh, it'll just be a break from what I'm doing. So um, it can be anything like that. Um, or it, it can be just just stuff on, you know, uh, kind of, uh, it can be, you know, sciencey things, but it's not proper science, half of this stuff. It's just kind of, I'm going down a rabbit hole and seeing more things. But what I, I'd be very good at not going down, I, keep away from news. That for me is a big one because most of the news on there is obviously skewed to one direction or another. But Well, hang on. Now, to be fair, now, wouldn't cynics say that it is anyway, right? And I shouldn't say that yeah. as a news journalist, but they, wouldn't they say that, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, media has editorial bias. It's just often not uh, not confirmed. I, I, I agree. But if you, let's say, are an older viewer and you watch Fox News, every day you watch Fox News, it is Fox News. Every day, if you watch the equivalent on a social media platform, it's Fox News. And by day 10, it's Fox News squared. And then it's Fox News cubed. So the difference is... At least you know what you're getting from Fox News because they have to have some level of standards. And that's the same with CNN. That's the same with Sky News. They're very much more on the Democratic side. But they can't go too far because they do have more standards. But you know for a fact that if you're in a group of people, they can only keep you on that site if they keep giving you more interesting content, which unfortunately interesting generally means emotive, things to get you angry, things to get you scared. Because they're the things that keep people on the site. Unlike much Fox News. Oh no, no. But my point is, but but what you'll see today in Fox News is probably what you saw six months in terms of the same level. But I think what you'll see in the website, if you keep going in these sites, it'll get worse and worse and more extreme um, on a week to week basis. Who do you think has done more damage to society over the last twenty years, Rupert Murdoch or Mark Zuckerberg? Over the last twenty years, um, I'd probably now go Mark Zuckerberg because the problem is I don't think we've actually seen. Uh, What's going to happen because of that? That would be my view. 
even the news of the world being, you know, and the phone tapping and Fox News and uh, Division. <laughs> but the point is, by saying one is worse than the other, it is not by any sense saying the other one is good. I just think one has, even now, I would say, uh, Rupert Murdoch does not have the sphere of influence anywhere near. But my point is, we we tolerate one as an accepted utility of society. We we do tolerate. We, we give out about Rupert Murdoch, and there's you know he he was investigated for different things, and you know there, there are different views um, on his his media properties. But a lot of people use them. A lot of people pay for them. A lot of people buy them, and we tolerate it as a utility. And maybe you might argue that we tolerate Facebook now, which which we do uh, as a utility. But the idea, I, I just, I, I do wonder whether the the anti-social media stuff is partly, just partly driven by self-interested traditional media narratives. Oh, to some degree. So when people say things like, you know, there's a rise in, I, back to your previous, when people say things like there's a rise in bullying, whatever, mm. um, that's not Facebook's fault or social media's fault. As is, That's human it's human's fault. The challenge sometimes just is that these platforms make things a lot easier. So when it comes to a lot of these things, the platform isn't um, starting this as an issue. It's just often weaponizing it to make it a lot easier to to kind of reach more people in a quicker amount of time. Would you say that the rise of Trump is more down to Fox News or Facebook? Um, well, uh, probably Twitter, firstly. <laughs> but unfortunately, oh, f- I would say it's, yeah. I would say it's mainly down to the fact that uh, and people never like me to say this. He was very clever around social media. No, no, absolutely. Don't like to think Listen, of Donald Trump, for anything else he is, he's a very smart operator. He knows what he's doing. He he's very very savvy from a media point of view. But isn't it kind of absurd to say that Fox News has not been more responsible for creating the conditions that that, that creates Donald Trump, who who then goes on, you know, to to form a certain impression in the world than Facebook? At the beginning, but I think since then it's been the leveraging of all those things to get to the next level. And I think what he's learned more than anyone else is he's completely disrupted any narrative that you have to do things in a certain way. That we put in a press release, you ask me questions, he'll just respond straight away on Twitter or whatever platform he wants no, it's, to go it's on. It's future social now, isn't that what it's called? Future, future social, yeah. yeah. But back, back, back in back Nobody in his first presidential it. campaign, that's what it was. But you're right. But back to but his. his, his that's what he uses it for. So you're right. Like he's still the kind of uh, the kind of golden child of Fox News to some degree, obviously. But um, I think he's that's that's how it began. He probably would have never got there without that. But I, at the same time, you know, a lot of it comes down to just as I said, his savvy use of knowing he knows people better than we think when it comes to what will outrage them. But at the end of the day, get them to vote for him. And I'm not going to belabor this point. It, it feels like I am at the moment. But Brexit. More the Daily Mail and Rupert Murdoch or Mark Zuckerberg? Um, you know what? I, I would say... Um... It's, that's, that's, look, that's the newspaper. It was those news. It was the Paul Dacre and, and Rupert Murdoch who basically got Brexit over the line. They're much stronger over there, I think, to some degree. Um, um, it's a smaller country than, than America. And actually, a lot of the people who did vote at the 
older age of the population would actually be very much still news readers. So mm. no question about that. I think the key still about Brexit is they use incredibly good slogans um, about making people fear what was they were going to lose, their independence, their freedom. Um, and those things matter massively. And to traditional media, we're great at amplifying that. And the biggest challenge we always have with anything, traditional news or new news, is bad news sells a lot better. Like a lie will make it halfway around the world before the truth's putting his shoes on. And these are the problems fake news, bad news, disinformation, all these things spread so quickly. You only have to look today on WhatsApp. People will send you WhatsApp. No one will ever say to you, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but they just send it on because that's almost the world we're living in. It'll be interesting in a few years' time, if you and I are talking again, whether we will be comparing and contrasting. But anyway, for the moment, uh, Peter Cosgrove, uh, Managing Director of FutureWise, thank you very much for coming on the Big Tech Show today and for uh, a very engaging uh, discussion there. Um, Rory Bones was on sound for this podcast, JJ Clark produced, and I'm Adrian Weckler. So thanks very much for listening to the Big Tech Show, and we'll talk to you again soon. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 